Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. The opening practice running for the 2020 Hungarian Grand Prix has been completed, with Lewis Hamilton leading the way for Mercedes in the morning, which was the only dry session of the two that took place at the Hungarian Ring today. As I work on my post-practice feature analysis of the day's pecking order for Autosport.com Plus, which you'll be able to read from Friday evening despite the afternoon rain rather spoiling the usual long-run fun, I'm again going to hand over to my Autosport colleagues Luke Smith and Jake Boxall-Legg who will talk you through all the big talking points of the day. These included Ferrari's Sebastian Vettel setting the pace in the wet second practice session and several team bosses facing the media in the standard Friday press conference. So, over to you, Luke and Jake. Thank you, Alex. Mixed weather during Friday practice often makes it difficult to draw any firm conclusions about the pecking order at the front of the pack. But even with limited FP2 running, the results from FP1 today appear to point to the advantage lying largely with Mercedes once again in Hungary. Lewis Hamilton was able to lead the way in FP1 with a best lap of 1 minute 16.003, despite setting his time on the hard tyre with teammate Valtteri Bottas just behind. They were followed by the racing point duo of Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll, which one could say made it a Mercedes 1-2-3-4. FP2 was then affected by rain, with Formula 3 qualifying being called off. It meant just 13 of the F1 runners could set a lap time during second practice. Sebastian Vettel was able to go fastest for Ferrari, which may end up being something of a rarity in 2020, ahead of Valtteri Bottas and Carlos Sainz. Joining me today to go over all matters emanating from Friday in Hungary is Autosport Technical Editor Jake Boxall-Legg. Jake, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, third weekend on the bounce, obviously. It's nice to be back doing this. Yeah, definitely. I think we're also kind of getting used to these triple headers. I think it's going to become something of the norm this year, which is uh, lovely for lots of racing action, but does obviously stretch stretch the paddock both 
there and at home uh, to its limits a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I remember the one back in, in 2018 when I was working for F2, Paul Ricard, Austria and Silverstone. And I was lucky the Silverstone was the last one because it was about, you know, I was living in Oxford at the time, so it was about a 30 minute drive from my house. So it was just like nice and easy, get home before the F1 started. It was great. So this one's uh, a little bit easier because I'm already at home. <laughs> yeah, I do. I remember I did uh, Le Mans and the Canadian Grand Prix as well in that sense. It was a, a five races in a row, which was uh, interesting, but uh, very good fun. Uh, anyway, we shall stop looking on halcyon days of 2018 uh, scheduling and uh, talk about today in Hungary. So Mercedes, I mean, even though we just had an FP1 session today, you normally can't read a huge amount from that. But that pace looked pretty mighty from Lewis Hamilton, particularly given he set his fastest time on the hard compound tyre as well. Do you think we can read a lot into their performance? I know we were expecting Mercedes to have a little bit more of a challenge this weekend and they, they still say that there's room for that, for room for the other teams to, to catch up a little bit. But doing that lap on hard tyres is incredibly ominous. I know, again, it's FP1 and you can't read too much into it um, and we don't know what the weather's going to be like either, but Hamilton does look mighty. This is his circuit, isn't it? So you know it, it it bodes it bodes well for him certainly and lewis was talking on thursday about the mercedes w11 car said it's the best car mercedes has ever built and you may expect that sort of building year on year and the success they've had but you look back on some of the the cars they've built i mean i think back to 2016 winning a 19 out of 21 races second like another step and but he still be so good. It's really incredible. I mean, is there any chance really for any of the other teams to get close this year in terms of development, do you think? It's going to be tricky, isn't it? Given the global economic situation, that might not be afforded to some of the teams. Um, this is, is, I agree with Lewis, this is the best car they've done. Um, it's got the most advantage over a field that we've seen for a while. When we look back to maybe 2014 as well, which was one of my personally favourite Mercedes, that which was... You know, dominating the the start of the season, but then they had a turbo engine advantage. Now they don't really have that, and the car's just so good that they managed to flex. They managed to flex their muscles at the front of the field. It's really incredible. And I, I talked to James Allison earlier about uh, DAS and asked him that saying, "Look, this is something that's outlawed for next year, so there, I guess, isn't a huge amount of value in terms of continuing to develop it, given that they they're the only team with it on their car." But he said, no, no, we're going to keep on going. Like We want to get as much performance as we can out of this device. And I, I guess that kind of mentality, that really points to what has made Mercedes so successful uh, over, the sort of, over the last few years. It's squeezing every last drop out of that development. Um, we, one of the themes that we've sort of spoken about when we talk about Mercedes' new technical packages and the updates that they bring to circuits, it's one of marginal gains, but it's something that they... They just extend themselves every single race, just add a little bit more and a little bit more. And as you say, it, it, their approach to DAS continues that. Um, they know that it's going to be outlawed for next year, and so it'll be a bit of a... It's coming at an expense for them, but they know that it's worth it. Um, it's not the the single factor why the W11 is so good. It's ultimately something that tacks on a tiny little bit of extra performance on the car, but it's that leave no stone unturned approach to it they see something they see a tiny weakness and think all we could do with a little bit of help maybe on our outlaps getting the tires in the right window and so they develop something that does that and it might just be a tiny thing but it's something that they've thought outside the box for and and have innovated i think one of the teams we most expected to take a step towards mercedes this weekend was red bull 
we saw that at the uh, the Red Bull ring, the RB16 was really, really strong through the slow speed corners. Um, Lewis Hamilton said that uh, Verstappen and Albon were killing Mercedes through those corners. But then we didn't see any of that pace really come through today. Verstappen uh, only eighth in FP1, Albon down in 13th. Were you expecting a little bit more from Red Bull so far this weekend? It looks a little bit skittish, doesn't it? And I think we saw that last weekend through turn six and seven, the sort of medium speed corners, uh, just gets a little bit from under the drivers every now and again. Verstappen sort of seems to have the handle on that and Albon to a lesser extent. Um, he struggled with it a few times in the Austria weekend. Um, but that slow speed advantage hasn't really been shown so much in FP1. Obviously, FP2, it's much more difficult to, to, to look into. But yeah, I think we expected a bit more from, from Red Bull. And I know it's we're going on a timing screen for, for FP1 where conditions weren't exactly at their absolute peak. But yeah, you can't help but feel a little bit disappointed. Maybe, maybe they'll come good tomorrow. But um, yeah, I think they'll probably be a little bit disappointed with today. Yeah, Max Verstappen said after the session there was still lots of work for Red Bull to do to try and understand why they were so far off the pace. And as you rightly say, Albon said that those uh, issues that we saw in Austria um, in terms of some of the corners they were struggling with. He said it was a similar story uh, so far in practice. So definitely seeing those kind of traits translate over from circuit to circuit. Uh, we'll move on to Ferrari, obviously a team that has been fairly successful in Hungary over the years, kind of t- taken the fight to Mercedes a little bit more than perhaps at other tracks. Uh, they came here this weekend with no added updates uh, from the fast track package that we first saw in Austria last weekend. We saw both Vettel and Leclerc make it through to the top 10 uh, in FP1. Uh, Both came away from the day feeling fairly happy with how things were going. How do you see their efforts this weekend? I mean, given that there's no added updates on the car, do you think they can be pretty pleased with their Friday? I think so. The main thing about today was getting those updates dialed in because, again, they didn't have really any time in in Austria to run with them I think um, you know losing your front wing in your team teammates rear end is not exactly a great start for that and also losing a floor to the same thing you're not really going to get much data out of that so the main thing was to just work out what makes these new upgrades tick and I think it seems to have done that in FP1 Um, again as you say Vettel and Leclerc were were quite happy with with FP1 and obviously Vettel topped FP2 but again you can't really read, read much too much into that the jury's still out on it I think um, Vettel's did say on Thursday that perhaps they weren't the game changer that he was hoping for um, again this is going to give Ferrari a little bit more performance just to address the ills with the the car's handling characteristics and that kind of thing and it should be a little bit better around Hungary anyway because it's not it's not an engine circuit by any means Um you're very rarely at full throttle. So this weekend we should see Ferrari sort of in amongst the sort of lower reaches of the points, I think. But when it comes to the faster circuits, they're still going to struggle. Um, so they're going to need to find a little bit more. Silverstone coming up next month, that probably will be quite a, a tricky one for Ferrari. One of the other big talking points of today, away from the on-track action, was sort of the ongoing tete-a-tete that we're seeing between Renault and Racing Point over the legality of the RP20 car. We know that Renault lodged a formal protest in Austria last weekend. That's going to be ruled on in the race in in the gap between the races uh, here in Hungary and then in Silverstone in a couple of weeks. Racing Point, they seem fairly confident about things. Like they've said, look, we, we're happy with the process. It's going to be a bulletproof case from the FIA. Um, we're happy to go through everything. All centres on the brake ducts. Andreas Seidel from McLaren, he said he'd be surprised if the car was found to be illegal. But he said that this whole case does really, I guess, 
point towards the wider issues uh, at play in Formula One at the moment when it comes to copying other cars and the integrity around that. But I guess very simply, do you think there is a case for Renault against Racing Point right now? Or is this more about the bigger picture that they're trying to get at? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. I think they're trying to seek a little bit of clarification because if Racing Point is found not guilty and the car is deemed fine, then Renault are going to assume that that means that you are able to create a facsimile of a faster car, um, which isn't strictly your design. It's not really your concept. It's obviously something a concept that you've taken and you've sort of looked at and made sure you realise how it works. But I think they're worried that perhaps if other midfield teams start doing it, they're going to get left behind. From a standpoint of is it legal or not, a lot of Renault's cases based, I think, largely on conjecture and that they say they're suggesting that the racing point does have access to mercedes designs and has therefore created something that is not of its own design it is quite a contentious issue because as we've i'm sure has been mentioned um for 2020 brake ducts are now a listed part last year they were non-listed and you could buy them in from other teams um and that is no longer the case so i think renault is trying to catch racing point on the hop a little bit and work out if it is used mercedes old intellectual property it continued continued that into 2020 and then where do you draw the line the fia needs to sort of clarify whether this includes designs from the past or not where we find out whether racing point did sort of design its own brake ducts just using last year's mercedes concept as a base we still don't know a lot of the ins and outs of that case so i think largely it's to seek clarification um i don't know you know what will happen if Racing Point is found to have used genuine Mercedes property or not. Um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but mainly just to see clarification on it, really. I guess it's the idea of F1 being a, a copying championship. Those are the words that Andreas Seidel used. But to some extent, has F1 always been a copying championship? Like you see these new innovations. I think of uh, the F ducts, uh, even DAS this year that uh, other teams kind of looked at and said, "Well, like it's very difficult to get it on the car given it's outlawed for next year," but could we do it and like isn't that just part of the game in f1 or is this going to a whole new level with it do you think i, I find this really strange this that this has come up now because f1 has always 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 been a copying championship and, I, and i've written a feature on this for for saturday morning actually saying as much yeah uh, nice and seamless segue um but in that i i explore a lot of F1's past because when you look at the maybe the 1950s and 1960s all the cars look relatively similar anyway um and then that transition to 1970 when Lotus brought its 70, Lotus 72 out, teams started to develop their own versions of that. McLaren 723 looked very, very similar to the Lotus 72. And then you move into the, the late 70s, Lotus had the ground effect car and by 1979, basically half the grid had a Lotus 79 clone. And you sort of, you don't hear about that. People think, oh, back in the, de- back in the day, um, nobody copied each other. It's like, that's not true. Everybody did it. everywhere you look in formula one whichever season you go to someone was copying somebody else whether it was in concept whether it was in design whether it was in aesthetics that kind of thing someone has always copied each other um and i think my favorite example is 1995 when benetton brought the b195 out and at the time ligier was owned by flavio Briatore, who was at the time also benetton's team principal and the new ligier came out and it looked exactly the same as the Benetton uh, apart from rear end because it had a Mugen Honda instead of a Renault engine but those cars looked exactly the same 
and it came out in testing. Reports of the time suggest that it was it met, was met to a similar degree of controversy as this year's Racing Point, but I don't think it was ever formally protested. They just said, yeah, it looks quite similar, doesn't it? And they acknowledged it. Um, but because Ligier wasn't in amongst Benetton and Williams at the front, no one really batted an eyelid. Um, they just thought, oh, okay, yeah, it looks quite similar and moved on. So it, it's weird that we're in this situation now. Um I th- I'm surprised that nobody has copied the Mercedes sooner um, and I'm also surprised that no one ever really kicked up this much of a fuss when Haas was just copied I mean this year's Haas looks exactly like the Ferrari and no one cares because it's not very quick so it's like where do you draw that line it's it's a very very strange case I think yeah, it's definitely going to be a fascinating saga that we'll obviously have covered all across autosport.com uh, both this evening and all the way through this weekend. Um, let's go to finish on track. Hungry tomorrow, qualifying. It might be wet, it might be dry. Either way, I think given Lewis Hamilton's performance last weekend in wet qualifying, whatever you throw at him, particularly as you said earlier, this is his circuit. He's going for a record equaling eighth victory at a single track this weekend. Can anyone stop him from getting pole tomorrow? They'd have a job, wouldn't they? If it's if it's wet, Hamilton's very, very good in the wet, so it'll be difficult. If it's dry, Hamilton's very, very good at the Hungar rig, so it's going to be very, very difficult. If Bottas can find something else, like he, um, he, he did in Austria when Hamilton dominated practice and then uh, Bottas just swooped in in qualifying and took pole, or where the Red Bull can find something extra and on the basis of today, it doesn't really look like they've they've got enough in the tank, so I think Hamilton's pretty much odds on favourite here. Yeah, it's looking very good indeed for the six-time world champion. Well, that's all from us, Jake. Thank you very much for joining me, and we'll hand back over to you, Alex. Well, thanks to Luke and JBL for their thoughts, and thanks to you for listening. Just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out yesterday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis, and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash bus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking. 
for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.